Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Connection Church. It is so good to see you here this morning. If you are in the room or watching online, uh, we're excited that you're here with us today. If you have your Bibles, you can take and open up to the book of Philippians chapter 2. We are going through the book of Philippians here at Connection Church on Sunday mornings and uh, in this series, Partners in the Gospel. And uh, today we're going to be looking at chapter 2. Uh, verses 12 through 18 is where we're going to be this morning. And I want to read that passage of scripture, and then we're going to go verse by verse through that and break it down. It says in Philippians chapter 2, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. It says, Dear friends, you have always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the result of your salvation. Obeying God with a deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Verse 14 says, do everything without complaining and arguing, so that no one can criticize you, living clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the word of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. I want all of you to share in the joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. I love this passage of scripture because everything that Paul had written in verses 1 through 11 leading up to our passage this morning had pointed the Philippian church to the humility, the obedience, the willingness, the suffering of Jesus. But Paul doesn't stop with the humility of Jesus. He goes on and includes the exaltation of Jesus. He gave the church a view of something that was beyond them, that God had highly exalted Jesus and had given him a name that was above every name, the name that at his name every knee should bow, every tongue should confess, the name who can break off the chains, the name who can set the captive free, the one who stands in a league of his own, this name Jesus Paul informed them that Jesus' exaltation was not just going to affect Jesus, but one day it would affect every human that had ever lived, every angel, every demon, even the devil himself, because one day every creature will bow the knee. And after laying out this incredible foundation, he wrote the right response that we just read in Philippians chapter 2. And because you really can't believe and acknowledge that Jesus is highly exalted and not have a response to that. Think about how glorious the fulfillment of Philippians 2 is going to be. Jesus, if you believe that he is truly Lord, these verses are a call to action in light of standing before him. We should not be able to read these verses and think, I'll just believe and do nothing. We, as the church, as followers of Jesus, are called to shine bright in a dark world. 
We're called to let our light so shine. And this is a call to you today, church, to burn brightly. We only have one life to live. May we burn brightly with this one life that we live. Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians during a time of suffering. It was far worse than anything we have ever experienced here. Christians are being persecuted. Their faith was illegal. They were being cut off from families, excluded from businesses and work opportunities. They didn't know how they would pay for their next meal. They were in prison, they were jailed, they were even put to death in many instances. And despite all the danger, the uncertainty, the fear, the lack of security, these normal everyday people in this church held out their faith and shined like lights in the darkness whose light radiates to us thousands of years later sitting in this room in Statesboro, Georgia with a call to burn bright. Philippians 2, 12 through 18 is a call that moves from personal to a broader picture and a purpose for followers of Jesus. Philippians 2, verse 12 that we just read, it says, dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it's even more important. Some of your versions might say, dearly beloved, and this shows Paul's heart. He loved these people. He was their pastor. Man, he cared for them. But he goes on and he says, when I was with you, you were following my instructions, but now that I'm away from you, you gotta keep doing it. How many of y'all have kids? This is like what we tell our kids. Yesterday, we were coming back we, uh, from Chattanooga and we stopped at Zaxby's and my wife and I had an incredible date at Zaxby's. Um, and we put the kids over in the corner and we said, just don't make a mess. Just sit and eat and enjoy the quietness of this. We're gonna go over here, y'all stay here. We're gonna go here, y'all stay here. Pretty much telling them, hey, act as if we are sitting at the table with you. Act like you've been in public before, all right? That's pretty much what Paul's saying. Hey, you're doing great. When I've been with you, you guys are doing great. But I'm going away, and I want you to continue in what you've been doing. So there's an encouragement and a challenge. And this is Paul's, uh, how he does this when he addresses different congregations. You kind of see a pattern here. He would compliment them for what they were doing well, and then he would encourage them and call them to experience a greater level of submission and service. And we have to always be on guard. I believe we need to take heed to what he's saying today. We, we've got to be on guard against thinking that we have arrived, that we are good enough, that we have a corner market on certain areas of life that we can take a break or slow down or ease up a bit or take our focus off of it for just a moment. He's saying, don't let up. Keep pressing on. Because what we are called to and what he is calling the Philippian church to is that he wouldn't leave them wondering where they were supposed to go. He doesn't just rebuke them, but he says, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to follow he tells them to work hard at showing the results of your salvation, obeying God with a deep reverence and fear. 
Now, some of your translations might say, work out your salvation. I know this can be a very confusing statement at times. Work on, work out. You've got to understand it does not say work for your salvation. That's works-based salvation. That's not Bible. He says, work out your salvation. We're not saved by good works. We are saved for good works. College nights here on Wednesday nights. Uh, we've been going through the book of James and talking about faith in motion. Tonight at student ministry, we're gonna start the exact same series as we look at how we are saved for good works, not from good works. That the result of our salvation, the result of the work that God has done in us should spur us on to good works. And that's exactly what he's saying here. Hey, you've got to press on the work that you are doing is a process. This is a statement about the ongoing process. Here's the word of sanctification in the life of a believer. Sanctification is living with salvation on our minds. Eugene Peterson referred to sanctification as a long obedience in the same direction. Sanctification is an outwardly response to Jesus' inner working in our life. It's growing to become more like him every day. It's not one of those things that you hear and you say, okay, let me do that, check, got it done. No, sanctification happens over a course of a lifetime. There's times where the progress will seem minimal. There's moments where there's setbacks, where there's um, relapses, but it's a process. It is a long obedience in the same direction. And Paul is saying here that if you're a follower of Jesus, the endurance is a must and that your life should shine like Christ. It's not enough just to say words because a transformed heart must result in transformed actions. You could say it like this, you gotta walk it like you talk it. Migos reference. You gotta walk it like you talk it. You have to. Your walk has to back up your walk. You can't just look like a Christian with no action. Faith has to be put into motion. And he's calling us here to live it out. He said that if God is your life, your actions have to reflect it. But there's also something else that's going on here. The Greek wording here in this letter would have been very clear to the Christians that that word your is not just referring to individuals, but it's corporate. It's to the Christian community, to the church, which meant there was accountability and encouragement. There was gonna be restoration. Write this down if you're taking notes. Sanctification doesn't happen in isolation. Sanctification does not happen in isolation. You don't grow alone. Life is not meant to be lived alone. It is best in the context of community. That's why we say partners in the gospel. We need each other. We have to have each other in doing life. Sanctification doesn't happen in isolation. It blends both of these ideas that individuals and the local church together, unity, like we talked about last week, Brandon preached on the unity of us, that's what he's calling us to. He says the local church has got to be unified. Understand the local church 
It's God's plan A for reaching the world. There is no plan B. We are the plan to reach the world. As individuals then, we must shine our light for God. As a church, we must be shining for God in our actions. We should be known in our workplaces, at school, at the ball field, at the shopping mart. We should be known in our fraternities and sororities and on our teams as followers of Jesus. There should be something different about us. We should be known in our region as a beacon of light for God. He says, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Notice that phrase. It tells us just how important this issue is in Paul's mind. Glowing for God in a dark world is not just something that we do casually and lightly. We burn bright with this one life that we live, the dash between two days. May it burn brightly for him. May our lives be a illuminated life, pointing people to Jesus. Paul continues in Philippians 2 verse 13, he says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And this had to be incredibly comforting for these folks reading this passage of scripture. Imagine you're reading this or you're hearing this letter being written and he says, God is the one doing the working. Man, that's just a relief that I don't shine on my own power. There is nothing I can do that can shine without the power of God in my life. This doesn't absolve me. I need to be pursuing God. But if I am, God's working will transform my actions. God is doing the work. His presence brings out the light. We live from the overflow of what he's doing in us. We shine bright because we're filled up with him. We are an example of him to the world around us. I believe the pressure of verse 12 is eased by the comfort of verse 13. He says, don't forget, God is working in you. Listen, friends, it never has been, nor will it ever be about you. It will never be about us. We will never be good on our own. Anything that has worked through us regarding our salvation will be because God is working. Not our abilities, not our talents, not our bank account, not our friends, none of that matters. It's only God working in and through us. God works. We work because God works. God is the one who gives me the will to work so that his identity can be seen in us. And it's God who empowers that working to occur in and through us. And then I believe that Paul transitions from the inward working to the outward results of the working. Look at verse 14. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. <laughs> cute verse. Um, listen, there's some things in scripture I don't understand. There's some things in scripture that I read that I'm like, man, I, I don't know what that means. Like, that's just one of those areas I'm gonna have to wait till I get to heaven and be like, hey, well, what did you mean here? 
And then there's some things that are just laid out very clear for us that I don't like. <laughs> Do everything? Like, this should be a question mark. Like, everything without complaining and arguing. <laughs> Man, if this verse were a requirement for salvation, majority of us in this room would be lost. Because we can be honest enough to admit that living without grumbling is not easy because there seems to be so much to grumble about. I heard a quote that said, complaining is the common language of our culture. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Look at verse 15. So that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. I think Paul has gone from preaching to meddling. He's like getting in their business now. He's saying, hey, you know what? I'm reminding you that the church, that you aren't living in this world alone. There are people watching you. There are people around you who don't know Jesus, who need to know Jesus and they're seeking him through the church. They're watching your actions. They're watching your life. The grumbling and disputing is gonna hinder them from making God look good. Listen, if we complain, but we try to proclaim, we become confusing to others. Paul is saying here that do everything without complaining and arguing. I heard of a a guy that wanted to become a monk and he took a vow of silence. He went to this monastery and every year he only got to say two words. The first year he went into this vow of silence, he come out, two words to the high priest, he said, beds hard. Went back in for another year, came back out and his vow of silence, he said, two more words. He said, foods cold. Third year, vow of silence, he comes out, he walks up and he says, I quit. The high priest said, well, it's a good thing you've only been complaining since you got here. Note to self, don't tell that joke at 11 o'clock. Okay, got it. <laughs> Listen, you ever notice that people who complain never keep it to themselves? They always wanna bring other people into it. Well, let me tell you about this. Well, what about that? He also says argument argumentative people. You know anybody like that? Don't nudge them. They're always looking for a fight. They go from one altercation to another altercation. I think it's very evident that he just lays this out. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Can I be brutally honest with you here? I was a waiter for years at the Cracker Barrel, um, par four, yep. And at Cracker Barrel, the day that we hated working the most, and you can ask anybody in the food industry, is Sundays. You know why? Because that's when the most complaints happen and the worst tips, by the way. Come on, do better. <laughs> the most complaining happens on Sundays. I, th I think it's just very cut and dry. Hey, do everything without complaining and arguing. Listen, friends. Are we closing the door to pointing people to Christ online, at work, in our neighborhoods, in our families, at our schools, because we lack the humility to resist complaining and arguing? Are we shining bright or are we more concerned with defending our politics, 
our comfort, our opinion, getting the last word in. Man, this is convicting. This, this is pointing right back at me. I'm with you here. I pray that we will take this and learn to do everything without complaining and arguing. But he doesn't just rebuke them. He gives them a way out. Look what he says in verse 16. Hold firmly to the word of life. Hey, hold on to the gospel. Don't let it go. Love the word. Cherish the word. But not just for yourself. Hold it out to others. Shine brightly. You have the best news ever. Burn bright and share the good news of the gospel that God loves, that God came, that God will rescue anybody, anytime, anywhere, no matter their past, their present. He wants to give them a new future. He's saying, hold tightly to the word of life. And look what he says as he goes on. He says, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud. That word proud there means rejoice. I will rejoice that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Paul is saying to this church that if you aren't being continually changed by Jesus, which indicates authentic salvation, if you aren't living out what Jesus is producing in you, but you're just like the rest of the world, grumbling and complaining, if you don't continue to cling to the gospel and hold it out to others, Paul is saying that I will have no reason to celebrate the sacrifice I made for the ministry and the hours that I invested in this ministry. He says, you've got to do these simple things to shine bright to the world around you. He goes on in verse 17. He says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. This is like wine being poured out as an offering in the ancient Jewish sacrificial ceremonies. Paul is saying, I'm willing for my blood to be poured out for the advancement of the gospel among you and through you. And we read this, and it should be so obvious to us that Paul loves the church, that Paul loved God, that he loved the gospel. And that love freed him to say, if I die as a sacrifice for the gospel, I'm gonna rejoice. Even if I have to give my love for my life for the advancement of the gospel, I'm gonna rejoice. And then he tells us in verse 18 that you should rejoice with me, share in that joy. He says, I want you to rejoice with me. I want you to be willing to follow my example and pour out your own lives for the sake of the advancement of the message of Jesus. I believe that this church that he's writing to was a bright spot in his ministry. I believe that he doesn't want them to fall into the sin of the world and destroy the good work that he had invested in them. He believes in them. He knows what they are capable of. He's like, I'm going away. Don't mess this up. Keep pressing on. Keep going forward. This concern of his is not about a personal pride, but rather investing his life into people who were productive in serving the Lord. I believe that these passages of scripture here can be summed up in, in three different ways. You have verse 12 and 13, 
where we see God's work and our work are connected. God's work and our work are connected. His business. He says, don't be weary in well-doing. Keep pressing on. Keep pushing towards the goal. Jesus, keep shining bright in this life that you're living. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit when it gets hard. Keep going. I was reading about a Tanzanian runner by the name of John Stephen Akwari. This guy was a runner for the country of Tanzania in the Mexico City Olympics. He was running this ultra marathon or this marathon. And as he took off from the stadium, about halfway through the race, he fell. He busted himself up really good. He got to the stadium about an hour after the last runners had already crossed the finish line. John Stephen Ekwari enters the arena. There's only a handful of spectators, only a few news crew cleaning up their cords. Like the race was over. And he enters the arena and people realize this is a runner in this race. Bloodied, battered, beaten, bruised, he circles the lap of the arena and comes across the finish line and collapses. And a reporter runs over to him, says, sir, what are you doing? How are you still running in this race? Like, you, you didn't quit. And John Stephen Ekwari looks into the camera and he says, my country of Tanzania did not send me 6,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 6,000 miles here to run and finish the race. I couldn't quit. This is what we're called to this morning, that our work and God's work are connected and we don't need to give up or quit, but we need to run this race well. We need to be pointing people to Jesus as we are setting our sights on him, not giving up when it gets hard, not throwing in the towel, not walking away because it doesn't feel like it should in the moment, but pressing on. Our work and God's work are connected then you see in verse 14 and 15 that avoiding complaining and arguing and shining bright are connected. When you don't argue and complain, you shine bright. Maybe the example leaving here today is that we just need to shine bright and stop being argumentative and complaining. And then we see in verse 16 and 18 that sacrifice and rejoicing are connected. Sacrifice and rejoicing are connected. Paul's saying, hey, my rejoicing is rooted in a reality that I win. If I lose my life on this earth, I win because I'm with him. There's a rejoicing that is rooted in a reality, and that's why he says, don't be dim lights. Burn brightly. Shine bright in this dark world. Connection Church, I pray that we will rise to the challenge that we will be known as individuals and as a church that shines like bright lights wherever we go, that God is working on us and in us. Let our prayer be that we would not get in the way of that working. I pray that God will reveal to us areas that we can shine as lights in this dark world. And I wanna to introduce to you today two ladies who are part of our church here at Connection Church these are two ladies that have heard the call to shine bright, and they have taken that step of faith, and they said, you know what? We're going to hear the call, but we're going to put action behind our faith. 
because faith without works is dead. So I want to introduce you this morning as they're coming up. This is Lori Brandt and Tamara Wright, and they are starting a ministry here out of Connection Church. Yeah, give them a hand. Come on up, ladies. <clears throat> Get to sit on these nice stools. Good to see you. I'm going to stand. It's my ex there. So do we have mics? Oh, here we go. Thanks, John. There you go. Thanks, John. You're the greatest. All right. How we doing? You ready to talk? <laughs> oh, let me see here. Hey, will you go put some batteries in this? Tyler just, he was like, he threw that microphone, just seemed to scare. So Tanya, how are you? <laughs> All right, is that mic on? I don't, is it? Yes, there we go. So these ladies are starting an incredible ministry out of Connection Church here called Esther's Place. And we're really excited. This is the first time that we've heard about Esther's place here. And um, I just would be uh, interested for you to share what the significance behind the name of Esther's place is. Um, well, <laughs> I guess we came up with Esther's place as the name. Um, uh, Lori and I were in a Bible study studying the book of Esther. And um, that's kind of when we decided to go ahead and, and start empowering women and mm. in, a, in a big way. Um, the perhaps you've been created for a time like this really spoke yeah. to us. And um, so that's, that's, I guess, kind of where so it you came just, from. So you hinted at it right there, but who is Esther's Place for? So it is for um, women in need, um, widows, single moms struggling, people in recovery, um, Veterans, uh, homeless women. Yeah, really any woman in need. I mean, it can be, I mean, we have our ideas, but God has more. Yeah. I think it's going to be, it's going to meet a felt need here in the community. Um, a lot of the ladies that are going to be coming, you said veterans, those that are in need, widows, uh, people that are seeking help in tangible ways as well as mental and physical, emotional, spiritual ways. Um, how did God, I, I just want to go back, like how God began to stir this idea of taking an idea and putting feet to it. Like how did this idea stir in your heart to get you to the point where you're sitting in matching shirts on the stage today, ready to do an incredible ministry? Um, well, for me, it started with uh, a prayer the, that I prayed the, um, the day my husband passed away. Mm -hmm. I hit my knees, and um, the one thing that I have not forgot that I prayed that day was that if I have to go through this hard tragedy, um, make something good come of it. Yeah. And, and with that prayer, God said, all right, I'm going to move you from California all the way to Statesboro, Georgia, <laughs> <laughs> and, and start preparing you. And he put um, two amazing people in my life that came alongside me and discipled me, um, John Long, director of Christian Social Ministry mm -hmm. and um, our own Roxanne Deal. And gosh, I'm so grateful for them to have spent their, t their time um, mm. discipling me. And with that, um, I wanted to turn around and do that for other women yeah. and, and especially widows um, to, to show them that when you're falling in that dark pit, there is a light at the end. And, uh, and 
really I have so much joy and so much love in my heart that I, I never imagined I could have that I've got to give it away. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it stems from that, I guess. That's awesome. Lauren? Mine is a little different. Uh, mine stems from many insecurities since I was a child. Um, I allowed uh, Satan's lies to continue playing in my head that I was never good enough. I mean, I wasn't cool enough. I wasn't smart enough. Wasn't pretty enough. Just never enough. Um, after becoming a follower of Jesus, um, I thought I was on the right path, but... Little did I know, um, I fell into the path of sin once again, um, uh, made some big mistakes um, that, you know, we always hold on to those regrets. Um, it was, you know, a matter of, you know, tearing my family apart in a painful divorce. Um, and of course, that allowed additional uh, failures to be placed. You know, I just felt such a huge failure in God's eyes. Um, but Looking back at Jeremiah 29, 11, I mean, the Lord tells us that, for I know I have what the plans that I have for you, um, to prosper you and not harm you, to mm -hmm. give you hope in a future. And mm -hmm. that has just stuck with me. Um, even though I didn't see it for so many years, God has actually, you know, pulled those scales from my eyes. 16 months ago, um, my husband and I um, decided we were moving south. Um, we left Pennsylvania and came to Georgia. <laughs> and God landed us here in Statesboro, Georgia. Um, long story for another time. But God was working his plan. Um, we knew no one here. Um, we found Connection Church, and soon our lives began to change. Um, my husband said when we came here that we were going to be intentional in our walk with Jesus. I didn't know what that was all about, but I followed his lead and just went along for the ride. Um, he wanted to sign up for classes, be in a connect group. I was like, no, 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 my insecurities playing on that. Um, I was worried, you know, just those names, you know, that I could never get rid of, you know, the rejected, unlovable, unworthy, not enough. But God clearly told me, no, you are more than that. And so we had started um, just going, we started with the welcome class, the uh, heart and soul um, group one. Group one at that time was six weeks. Um, two weeks into that class, I was just in a conversation with Jordan, and he goes, oh, maybe you and George can, you know, have a group one day. And I'm like, yeah, no, not for me. Maybe him, but no, not for me, because I just can't do that, because of course, you know, I was hearing, you know, I'm a failure. Um, but that group ended, that class ended, and after six weeks, and God worked, and we now host that group in our home, and we have college kids that come to that group, and they call me mom. So that's <laughs> that's just been amazing. Um, yeah. But not only, and I'm, I guess this is like a shout out to all the different classes that are offered here, because they have made a tremendous you know, change in my life as a follower because I was so, so scared. Um, when we had signed up for uh, group one, we, my husband also wanted to join a connect group. And in that, you know, God led us into the Gatto group. Um, I, again, was scared because I felt no one would like me. Um, but God said differently. Um, Vivian Gatto seen a a gift that God gave me. I'm sorry. That was the gift of hospitality. Um, I had a 
heart just to serve others, and I never seen that. And she pulled that out of me. Um, our gr group grew. Um, we, in turn, needed to multiply, and Eric and Vivian decided that we would host the group so Kelly and Chris Miller could lead that group. That has turned into a huge family. Um, going from thinking I couldn't cook because no one would like my food to my home not being good enough. Well, we're now, along with so many friends, we're cooking for 20 to 25 people a week just because this group has come together as a family. Another insecurity of mine was just always hearing that, or always feeling no one would ever listen to me. I, whatever I said doesn't matter. Well, I met a dear friend, a neighbor, Jody, last May, and we got to walk and we became friends right away. And at that point, she listened to everything I said. And I'm like, gosh, why? Why? Why is anybody listening to me? And it's just, she tells me that I've had such an impact on her Christian walk. Well, I see it the complete opposite way around. It's like, because when we come together, as a community, just one by one, just loving on each other, we can make a difference. And that in turn, of course, last June, I met Tanya. Sweet Morgan Nowak introduced us. We had uh, just a small Bible study on discipleship, which has made a huge impact on my life. Um, again, it's like I just felt like I was just pulled out of the pits of just junk. And it's like I'm just walking this walk that God has planned. And I started serving with her with Christian Social Ministries in the food pantry, um, learning. Um, just we started Bible uh, Bible study at Freedom Through Recovery, and then meeting the girls at the Lee Street home. And that's when I'm like, wow, there is so much need in this community. And I still look. I mean. When we did the study on Esther, you know, it was such a, an important book in the Bible that we just see that God has placed us. He has created us for a time such as this. And each and every one of us, no matter where you've been, what you've done, God can redeem all of that. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's good. I love how God's work and our work connects from up north to up north to out west to here. Uh, there's a reason, and uh, I believe that He has a time for this. I I want you to dive in a little bit more. I know we we kind of surface level there, but what are some specific needs that Esther's Place will meet here in our community specifically? First, I want to say Lori's a really good cook. <laughs> um, well, we're going to have uh, showers available for homeless women. We are going to have hot meals for them. Um, we're going to be uh, having a laundry service for homeless women or single moms that are just so busy. Mm -hmm. We can take literally a load off of them. Um, and, and as well, cooking meals for them to be able to pick up at the end of the day as they go home, which will hopefully give them more time to spend with their children mm -hmm. and just take a breath. Um, Tanya's a great hairdresser, so we're actually going to have a salon um, that we can cut, you know, if it's for someone that, a lady that may need um, a haircut in order to go for an interview or some, a homeless person. Mm. So she's got that talent, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, we'll also have a, a clothes closet for um, 
interview clothes, work clothes, that kind of thing. Um, Bible studies and uh, uh, widow support meetings, single mom support meetings. Our greatest thing is just sharing the love of Jesus with every person, every lady that walks through those doors. That is our goal, and that's what we have. It's like we don't want God to be a priority. A young lady had once told me, it's, God's not a priority. We need to have him as the paper that we write those priorities on. And that has just stuck with me. It's been mm. huge, and it is so true. We want God to always be the center that's of awesome. Esther's place. Where are y'all going to be doing this at? Let us know where this is happening. Well, our um, our house is on East Grady, um, corner of East Grady and Donaldson, right downtown. Yeah. Yes, we get the keys on Tuesday, so there we're it is. so, excited. so awesome. excited. That's good. Yes, it's, it's amazing. We don't even have the keys to officially um, go in the doors, but they allowed us to go in the doors because we had someone or two <laughs> different places give us an amazing amount of food already. That's awesome. So that has just been another another answered prayer. It's just God's on the move. The Bible says little is much when God Absolutely. is in it. You know, Absolutely. that's good. I would be interested in, and y'all share with us how we can support you as, as leaders and also the ministry. Like how can we as a church, because this is a connection of, a connection church. This is a, a, a send out, uh, I believe that this, what is the word, a initiative, that's it, of connection ministries here to our community of reaching them. You're part of what we're doing and we support y'all. How can we support you guys? First and foremost, <laughs> prayer. Yeah. Lots of prayer um, for Esther's place and especially for the women that will walk through those doors. Um, for us to just make sure we're always Christ-centered, always. Also, we, you know, we, we're going to have a lot of needs. Yeah. Um, we, ha we, we have a whole house to fill, um, so donations are absolutely welcome. Um, Whether it be financially, um, there's going to be, we've made up a wish list on Amazon that it'll be on the website that you can go and pick and choose or gift cards. Volunteer opportunities? Vol Absolutely. Yes, volunteer. We yes. love volunteers. When, and, and actually, one of the other things we'd like to have um, as a resource there is if you're a plumber, electrician, mechanic, handyman um, that is uh, trustworthy, we would like to be able to work with you so we can send women um, to a place yeah. that they, they know they can trust and that they'll be well taken care of. So that's, that's a big need for us as well. I'm excited about Esther's place to see how God is going to use this idea to come to fruition. And I'm so excited to watch your faith get put into action. Can we pray for y'all? And uh, they're going to be out in the lobby uh, as soon as this service is over. Maybe you would like to be part of what they're doing down at Esther's place. You want to volunteer. Um, they're going to be out in the lobby after the service. And uh, come by. Meet them. Pray with them. Pray for them. Get plugged in. And uh, let's, let's pray today as we close out. <clears throat> Jesus, we love you. Father, I thank you for opportunities that we can live out our faith, that we can shine bright. And God, I thank you for the visible uh, representation of shining bright that we get to see sitting here on this stage this morning and these two ladies and this ministry that you have uh, not just put in their hearts, but they are putting action behind it. And Father, may we not just pray prayers, but may we put feet to those prayers and may we act out living in such a way that you're calling us to. 
in these dark days that we are living in. God, I pray that you will raise up a church that shines bright for you, that we will burn bright with this one life that we have to live, and that it will point people not to us, not to our abilities or our work, but to you. May you be honored. May you be glorified in every aspect. God, thank you for Lori. Thank you, uh, <clears throat> Tanya. Oh my goodness, you know her name even though I don't. Lord, thank you for Lori and Tanya and the ministry that you've placed in their heart to do incredible things. And God, we just pray uh, that the best is yet to come, that so many ladies in this community will come to know you as a result of their faithfulness. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for today. And may we leave here in a moment shining bright for you. In the strong name of Jesus, we pray.